You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Same for the goddaughter. God told me you found something. On a train during the war. A dial that could change the course of history. Why are you chasing the thing that drove your father crazy? Don't move. We need to get out of here. Stop! Sorry. Helena! Dr. Jones, get him. Hitler made mistakes, and with this, I will correct them all. You stole it. Then you stole it. And then I stole it. It's called capitalism. This way! Fasten your seatbelt. There might be some tablets. You've taken your chances, made your mistakes, and now a final triumph. Indiana Jones. A few times in my life I've seen things. I've been tortured with voodoo. Been shot nine times. Including once by your father. Ah, sorry. But I've been looking for this all my life. Hey there, adventurers, and welcome to another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. This is going to be a great one. This is a review of the fifth Indiana Jones movie. That's right, folks. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. It's finally here. Harrison Ford, you know, we're not going to talk about the last one because that's wiped clean. This one, hopefully, everyone feels like made up for it. And it definitely is going to be a lot of fun to talk all about it with everybody and we've got a great crew to do it but before we do of course there will be spoilers in this episode folks if you haven't seen the movie yet or you don't want to be spoiled for it or if you have no interest in seeing it and everything and there's plenty of people who have no interest at it and they're going oh it sucks i don't want to go see it and everything it is going to be talked about all over and we're not going to try to keep any stone unturned or any dial not turned. So it's going to be a ton of fun. Let's say hey, of course, to Mr. Mike Gordon. Howdy. And of course, returning to the show, Tony Ann Marini. Welcome. Greetings, everyone. And Mr. Matt Sweatman is here. Why did I have to be snakes? Snakes, snakes. <laughs> oh, it could have, eels are just like undersea snakes. So it's just like, we got ah. those in this one too. So it's even better. <laughs> exactly. So awesome, folks. It's going to be a fun movie to talk about. And, you know, definitely let's just take it away. Let's dive in with both feet. 
All right. All right. Let's uh before we talk about box office and this movie in particular, um, I want to get a sense of where everybody stands on the franchise. And I want to start with you, Tony, because I understand that you are really new to this franchise. I am. I started on Friday. Um, it's wow. amazing to me. Wow. <laughs> wow. So um, I had seen bits and pieces of uh, the third one. Um, like I knew some of the parts I'd caught them on TV or my cousins were watching them, um, but I'd never seen it all from start to finish. Um, can, I ask, I just, uh, can I ask, is there a particular reason or you just hadn't got around to no, it? No, just hadn't. There's there's so much stuff. I for, for about 10 years in college, I didn't like watch TV or movies or anything. Like I just had a lot of stuff going on. So I've been slowly building up my the holes in my... Uh, uh, <laughs> Understandable. Yeah, in my knowledge. And this was just, and it was one that, I like to watch a series. So if I'm going to watch it, I'm going to watch it from the beginning. And it just, at that point, there were three movies and I just was trying to fit in a trilogy somewhere. And then there was a fourth movie and it just, but, um, uh, two, uh, of, uh, the wonderful people in my life wanted to see the fifth movie. Um, and so I said, well, we're going to have to marathon the first four. And so we did, we did two on Friday and two on Saturday. And then we, had a brunch showing of Dial of Destiny on Sunday. Awesome. Awesome. Sweet. And what are your thoughts on the franchise as a whole? Well, going into this one, were you excited? Were you, are you like, uh, do you see what all the hype was about? Or do you understand that? Or yeah. what, what do you feel about it now? Yeah, I definitely do. I think there were a lot of um, uh, highs and lows for sure. And I was definitely interested to see because so much time had passed. I think it's been 15 years since, since the last, last one, yeah. Yeah, um, which was also the crystal anniversary that they said in the theater, which I thought was funny because it was crystal skull. <laughs> crystal skull, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, so, but um, it, it, I was anticipating watching it. Like, I wasn't like, oh, I got to watch another one. Like, I was very happy to be seeing another one and to see where they went and to see how they dealt with him aging um, because they clearly did that in the fourth movie and, you know, there were a whole lot of, um, I was interested to see who they brought back, if they brought back anybody with him, like, romantically, because there was always the, you know, the banter with the women, if he had a sidekick. Um, so there were there were things I was anticipating or or was interested in learning more about. So right, I, which I a lot of those things would have been lost on you, probably, if you hadn't watched the other four. Right? Right, right, right. right. Uh, and yeah, because it... I mean, I, that's one thing for people to be like, man, you need to see this. You need to see this. I can't believe you haven't seen this. But it's another thing when one of those things, when this one of them is widely, widely regarded as one of the best movies made of all time. I mean, I can imagine that you're going to finally sit down and watching it. You're just like, all right, impress me. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it must be a hard to live up to that. I think it can be in some things. I love adventure movies and I like, um, you know, mythology and to see where they bring religion and like, you know, walk in that fine line and what things are real or what things they can do with movies. So I never go into something being like, okay, everybody's talked all this good stuff about it. Like I try to go in with an open mind. Um, I I did that with, with Star Trek because I had never watched it before like three years ago. Um, right. so I, I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm filling in all those, those gaps in my, um, in my knowledge. 
and I'm trying to watch them with fresh eyes. Some of the things I understand if I watched them 20 years ago, I was not that old 20 years ago. So I may not have appreciated some of those things. So I like where I am now where I could look at different things with a different eye. And, but I could also say, well, okay, that was made in a certain time. And I understand what was happening then. Like, I'm not like, oh, that's, you know, misogynistic or that's this. And I can't, but like, I sort of understand, like they did better throughout the series and they, they, um, and I especially like what they did in this movie um, with the the female lead. So, mm, okay, well, we will talk all about that for sure. Um, yeah, I make I've made no qualms about the fact that Raiders of the Lost Ark is my favorite movie of all time. Um, some of the other uh, follow ups to that um, I'm mixed on. I am not a big fan of the second movie. Uh, I like the third one a lot, and uh, I was going to do a rewatch of everything. But um, as it got closer and closer to the date of release for Dial of Destiny, I just found I didn't have the time. So, but I did the night before watch Kingdom of the Crystal Skull simply because it had been 15 years since I'd seen it. And I wanted to know if Dial of Destiny was going to be better or worse than it. And there was no way for me to accurately, I think, reflect on that unless I'd seen it again. And like you said, Tony Ann, with, um, with, fresh eyes, you know, with, or more experienced eyes, time has passed. Right. So, uh, so yeah, I did want to, and, and I do still think crystal skull is bad. <laughs> I do think it is, is bad. Um, so, um, any thoughts about the series going into the, this particular movie from you, Matt? Um, yeah, like uh, most people of our generation, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark was a seminal piece of, uh, cinematic art. Um, and, the uh, the original trilogy of movies were, uh, part of our childhood and young adulthood. Um, my, I don't remember a whole lot about number four. Uh, I still have the Blu-ray when it was released, uh, at home unopened. I saw it in the theater, uh, and that's still the last time I've seen it. Um, so I was hopeful that this would be a return to form. Uh, certainly at least it, it had to be an improvement on the last one. So, Somehow, even though it's been 89 since we had last had a really good Indiana Jones story, it was still one of the top franchises, in my opinion. And I was still excited to see it. Elaine went and saw it with me. She doesn't go and see every movie with me in the theater. So that was a good thing. I was able to get her, enjoy it with her. Um, and I'm still processing a little bit my overall opinion of it. And, uh, and um, I'm, I'm glad to see that the buzz from viewers not from critics necessarily but from viewers isn't all bad it's actually getting quite a lot of people out there who are really enjoying it and whatever i think of it it's just good to see that indiana jones still can get approval from audiences today so i'm i'm, I'm glad of that yeah yeah uh mike what about you any any thoughts on the franchise going into this yeah Go see the odd number movies of Indiana Jones. <laughs> <laughs> I, and it's weird because as this has come out, you know, certainly everybody has different views on the franchise themselves. Uh, I've seen a lot of people that love the second one. I've seen a lot of people that think the third one is the best one. I've seen people that like Crystal Skull. So, um, I mean, there's a, it's across the board. There's no unanimous thoughts on this franchise whatsoever. So going into this movie, of course, it wasn't going to be unanimous. Uh, and the way as divisive as things are on the internet now, 
Um, so going into the movie, which finally opened um, here in this country, uh, it had been open. I think it had been shown at Cannes like almost like two months ago at the Cannes Film Festival. And it did not get a great reception there. Um, so the word of mouth has been bad on this movie for quite some time. Um, and, uh, so, and that I think has affected the box office. Uh, the box office is very weak, not as weak as Flash was a couple weeks ago, but still the opening weekend was just 72.4 million in the United States and, uh, worldwide gross of 142.5 million. Uh, that is not going to do well for my prediction. Our prediction, Mike, that it's going to be the biggest box office movie of the summer. Oh, I, um, you know, after starting to hear some of the reviews, we that came out of cans and some of the other showings of it. I was like, oh well, egg on my face once again. So it's okay. I think uh, I think this movie has um, definitely. Well, I think a whole everything this summer, reg- except for Spider Verse, has been underperforming. So I think that that's part of it. Um, you know, as far as any other ideas on to why this one is not doing well in the theater, because the theater, I was surprised when I went to pre-order my ticket for Friday morning, there was only one ticket sold in the whole theater. And, uh, when I walked into the theater, there was nobody else in there. Um, there was about a handful of people that walked in right before the movie started. But pretty much it was an empty theater, and that's never happened to me when I've seen Indiana Jones in the Dial of Destiny, the first or in, in Indiana Jones movie, the first weekend. And never has happened to me. So that was a surprise. But it's interesting, too, because I had the complete opposite, actually, because today we went to go see it literally three hours ago. And, you know, because I'd been traveling and we didn't have a chance to see it while I was on vacation. And we went today. And the theater we usually go to is 90% of the theater is empty. Usually when we go, it's just the theater itself. And today is the largest screening I've gone to at this theater. And this was a two two thirty show that we went to. And there were only like maybe five seats in the whole theater empty. Mm, and it was, nice. their, and it was their big theater, which I was, think it, so it's pretty, I think it also, sorry. No, no, go ahead. I, I think it also sort of depends on, um, so like we went to go see it at a Alamo draft house because they were doing like a, a commemorative glass. Um, and so that was a, a draw. And when we went to go buy tickets Thursday and Friday or Friday and Saturday, whatever days they were having were already sold out. So that that's why we had to do a Sunday brunch. Um, because we couldn't get any, any tickets for that. Um, I'd never been to one. Um, we have one in Raleigh. I just didn't know it existed. Um, and I, I heard from some other folks that had like an Alamo in there, um, that like, Ooh, I could get like this glass and that was a cool thing. And like, and so that was maybe a draw for people, but I definitely think that it's hard to go to the movies sometimes now after COVID. Like I like to pause. Right. And if I have to go to the bathroom or something and you have to take a, a, a considerable amount of time to get to the theater. And if your theater doesn't have like where you pick your seat, then you have to go and, and pick a seat and things like that. And I think for some people, maybe the, the magic of going to the movies might be, you know, oh, it'll just come out on streaming in a couple months and I'll see it then. And I think that could be 
um, maybe a reason why uh, people are, are maybe not going to the movies as much. But um, I heard they did a lot of like reshoots for this movie and that there were all sorts of like rumors of what they were doing. And I think that could have maybe caused some people to be like, oh, I heard it was about this when that wasn't even in the movie. And then they just decided they made up their minds that they weren't going to go. So. I mean, yeah, there could have been a lot of factors. Um, and I think they all were combined for uh, the gross that we got uh, for sure. Um, other things are, you know, as much as I love the franchise, um, the last one you said, as you said, is was, was done 15 years ago and that was not well regarded. So, I mean, this is a this is a franchise that a lot of people it still had a bad taste in their mouth from the last one. Um, and some people didn't even know. I mean, you know, there's a whole uh, few generations that grew up in just Indiana Jones was not their hero. Um, so. Um, I mean, we are talking about an 80 year old actor playing a 70 year old character. <laughs> so, uh, in a 50 year old franchise or uh, something like that, right? 40, 50 year old, something like that. Um, 40. uh, so there's a lot of factors there. So knowing all of this, uh, and I think I kind of got an idea already, but knowing all this, uh, what were your thoughts coming out of the movie? Was it satisfying? Tony, I'm going to start with you. Yeah, I I had a I had a good time watching the movie. Um there were parts that I cried uh on um uh there were parts where I laughed. There were parts where I jumped out of my skin because, you know, water snakes um and and <laughs> other things that were happening. Um I get very jumpy at movies, so if you don't like somebody next to you going <laughs> then don't sit next to me in a movie ever. Um, <laughs> but I mean, there were a lot of emotions happening and the movie kept me engaged. There wasn't a part where I was like, okay, can we like not? Um, like when uh, I'm watching the, was it the last crusade where they did the young indie? Yes. That's at the beginning. Okay. Yeah. That would, that part was just so long to me in the beginning. Like they could have made some, and I was like, okay, what am I watching? Like what's happening? Um, so I didn't have any of that in this movie, which was nice. And so when I left, I was like, that was a good, like, use of my time. Like, I didn't feel like I needed my time back, uh, like I have in some other movies. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, we got a kind of a young indie starting this one, too. I was about um, to say the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, at this point, he was, he was, he was yeah, I know, older. I know, I know, he was, I know. he was his sassy self. Um, <laughs> and he was punching Nazis. So, I mean, how could you not? I mean, that's always cool, right? That's, that's, that never goes out of style. Right. Yeah. So, so he was, um, I, I, I enjoyed that. Uh, I thought it was going to be more of a flashback that first part instead of like a, a longer scene. But once I realized where it was going and how it was going to connect later, I appreciated the, the length of it. Right. Right. Uh, Matt, what about you? What, uh, well, how did you feel about this movie overall? Um, well, Leaving the theater, I I did have some reservations. I I felt a little bit like I felt leaving the theater when I saw Crystal Skull. Um, I did like the opening bit, um, even if the voice wasn't quite young, younger Indiana Jones. At least the uh, CG was fairly well done, and it was a well it was a very action packed scene. Um, somewhere around the two thirds point of the movie, I actually fell asleep 
not not to say the movie caused that. That might have been more of just it had been a long day at work kind of situation. We saw it Thursday evening. Um, and uh, the next thing I remember, next thing I know is that they're doing some tide traveling hijinks. And, and I'm thinking, okay, is this going to be like the aliens in Crystal Skull? Is this going to be what people say? This is not Indiana Jones. There's no time travel in Indiana Jones. Um, so I felt a little weird about it. And, and I really don't want to, I don't want to knock it too bad for that because um, I, I love Indiana Jones and I really want to give this one another chance. I think I'm going to, when it comes home, I'm going to both watch King, uh, uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skulls and this one again and try to give them another chance to wow me over because I really want to love this movie. I desperately want to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, some things just can't be, can't be, can't be loved. some things sometimes it just doesn't work out uh but uh but no i definitely feel like you should you know watch the whole thing to give it a full like you know chance uh uh mike what about you what did you think of coming out of this i actually was really surprised at my reaction of coming out of this it was like i fully went in very skeptical and i actually left with a smile on my face i thought okay this was a fun popcorn movie. And that's what you want from an Indiana Jones movie. And it's like, I'm not expecting Shakespeare. I'm not expecting, you know, war and peace. I'm not expecting some literary, you know, whatever. And I enjoyed the additions. I enjoyed the anti-aging that they did at the beginning. And I agree about the voice, but I thought they finally got the de-aging down it looked like I was watching a flashback to Indiana Jones, probably circa, you know, 1989, you know, Harrison Ford. That's how good it looked. And it was great. And I loved watching him beat up Nazis. So how bad could this movie be? And it was, it was a satisfying finish. Do I, I, and I loved just, you know, being able to, hear other people gasp at like the eels and some of the other things, but there was, and there was death and carnage in it, but not stupid dark death and carnage, like the anthill in crystal skull and stuff like that. I thought at least this was, this was fun and I enjoyed it. That's how I'll end it. I, uh, I enjoyed it overall as well. I, um, uh, now look, if I tried to, co- <laughs> Michelle asked me this, she's like, so did you like it? And I said, yes, I liked it. I thought it was pretty, it was, it was pretty good. Um, and, uh, cause she did not see it with me and, uh, she hasn't seen any of the Indiana Jones movie, including Raiders of the Lost Ark. She really? hasn't seen that. Yeah. I don't know why we're still together. Um, but, uh, um, maybe because if she watches it and doesn't like it, then that'll be the end. Um, but, uh, in any case, uh, she's like, I heard it was really, really bad. I mean, the word online is that it's, it's garbage. And I said, well, it just depends on what you compare it to. If you compare Dial of Destiny to Crystal Skull, I think it's brilliant. It's, it's like one of the best movies ever made. If you compare it to Raiders of the Lost Ark, it, it's garbage. I mean, it's like, but that's so many other movies too, right? Like, it's just, um, I don't, if I judged everything based on the ones I, the movies that I liked, then, you know, they don't stand a chance a lot of times. So, um, so that's a hard bar to, to match, I think, to meet up with. So, 
But I think overall, Dial of Destiny was as as was pretty good. I think the uh, the object that they were looking for was interesting. I think the third act. I know again we are talking about spoilers here, but I know the third the third act. You know where they finally like engage the object, the Dial of Destiny, and they go back in time. That's a big swing. That's a big swing. One of the biggest swings Indiana Jones franchise has ever taken. And I applaud that. I think it worked a lot better than the. I don't blame them for going for the alien uh, swing and Crystal Skull. I just don't think it was realized half as well as this was. It's hard seeing characters I love, like Indiana Jones, broken. It's just difficult for me. Um, and when this movie starts, Indy is broken. He's in a bad place. Uh, it's kind of like watching, you know, the uh, Force Awakens and seeing all my heroes that I like from the Star Wars franchise broken and and not doing well and and having problems, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's very difficult for me. Um, but we do see Indiana Jones kind of come out of it. This is his journey. The best Indiana Jones movies to me. Yeah, it's really cool when he has a cool device to look for or a cool object. But when they're really about him learning something. Um, in the first movie, he's learning um, about love. He's learning about the supernatural. I mean, at the beginning of the movie, he has neither. And at the end of the movie, he has both. Um, I, that's why I think the second movie doesn't do well. I don't think he really evolves at all in the second movie. In the third movie, he has that relationship with his father that is so compelling, more compelling than, um, you know. And in, in Crystal Skull, they tried to give him something, the relationship with his son and everything, but it it doesn't work to me. It didn't work as well, but this one, it's like watching uh, Star Trek two, the Wrath of Khan and Kirk going through the same thing. He's getting old. How does he still do it? You know, how does he still go on when he doesn't feel he has anything more to offer? Can I um, something real quick though. It's absolutely because you know how you said in the second one, he didn't learn anything or anything. The second one was technically a prequel to the first one. True. But it's still, I mean, he could still learn something. Oh, and no, he, you no, know, exactly. Yeah, he doesn't, like, I, I, uh, yeah, I don't, yeah. But no, um, I, agree, I agree completely with you there, Mikey. And it's just interesting because this one, you know, he was ready, to, you know, he was ready to give up at the very end. And, you know, literally, you know, he wanted to stay in the past. And, you know, he, he said, I don't have anything in the, back in the future for me. I don't have anything to live for. You know, I just want, this is where I belong. And, you know, it just took a right hook to knock him out of that one. Yeah, because he's been living in the past, like, all that time. In the beginning, he's still living in the past. He's 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 regretting the loss of his son. Uh, you know, he's, he's, <laughs> uh, he's teaching and the classes that he's teaching, the places that they just don't care. He's a relic. He's a he's a man of the past. He's just not he's you know, we just went the and in 1969 they're celebrating going to the moon. How exciting is that? And he could care less. Like he is not interested in the future. He's not interested in the present. He's got nothing. And by the end, you know, he finds that he does have something to live for and once again it's Marion. And I and I love that um I love that aspect of this movie. The last five minutes of the movie where he's reunited with, with Marion and they, they do the, um, 
uh, the, the, where doesn't the, it hurt? Where doesn't it yeah, hurt. where doesn't it hurt? They yeah, go back to I that cried. Again. I cried a whole How can lot you not, of that. Right? Yeah, <laughs> and and having it just be fresh in my head, right. and knowing exactly where that was going, that really sort of sold it for me because I didn't care if I knew it was coming because it it lived up to my expectations in that moment. Yes. Yes. Um, and, and it wasn't too corny and it wasn't too cheesy. It was very them. But I think you're a hundred percent right that it's, it's hard to see our heroes like that because it makes them more human. And we don't always want to relate to our heroes. We want them to be on this pedestal and we want them to be better than us or, or not having our problems. Um, and I think what's, what's hard, um, as someone who, who is an educator, is seeing the difference between when students are really engaged and when they just don't give any sort of um, interest, they don't have any sort of interest, whether they're in the wrong major or whether they yeah. think the class doesn't apply to them. And so that really, that scene broke my heart, seeing him in the classroom. Yeah, I hope you previous- haven't experienced that yourself. Oh, I have. I have, but that's okay. That, that was, that's pretty brutal. That scene it, well, where he's teaching. I, the the problem is that you see in the scenes from from you know the first movies where the 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 girls were in love with him and the boys wanted to be him and everybody was so excited and then to have like not a single person care and maybe it was just because it was moon day and they all wanted to be outside not stuck in the I classroom don't, yeah, I don't think so, I don't I think so but I, but even so, I mean, I've had uh, I've had that where there's like a handful of people who just like could not care and you try to engage them. And that was that was heartbreaking to to see him have to go through that, especially on his retirement day or, or you know, when he was getting close to retiring, not having anybody care about their grade. I mean, that was that really brought it sort of home to me. Um, uh, and but I was glad they put that in because it shows how you are in your career, you know, when you're older and there's this subject you've been teaching all your life, you lose a little passion for it. And the, the people you're trying to teach kind of sense that I think sometimes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think a lot of people, it gets, it, word gets around campus like, Oh, don't go, don't, you don't want to have that professor cause he's not interesting or he's, he's phoning it in or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they're just, it seemed like the people that were just there for the credit. <laughs> they're just there for the credit um let's let's talk about indy and harrison um i mean a lot has been made of this 80 year old guy playing this character um one of the criticisms that it's not doing well is that nobody wants to see an old man as a as a as an action hero um and uh i when they use it, when it's part, like they're not trying to, I mean, granted, they shave 70, 10 years off of him in the, as a character. He's supposed to be 70, around 70, I guess, in this, but it still doesn't, you know, I think Harrison Ford still is amazing to watch. I still think uh, he brings it. Um, the dude is in shape. Like, I mean, <laughs> like, I'm like, wow. I mean, he can, I know a lot of the scenes you know, the action sequences, it's either CG or stuntman or whatever. But to be honest with you, a lot of those in the early movies were stuntmen too. I know Harrison Ford likes to do his own stunts, but, and, you know, as we've seen in making of this movie, that kind of gets him hurt sometimes, right? Oh, yeah. So, uh, so I do feel like there was more practical stunts in this movie than were in Crystal Skull. I know that there was a lot of CG, of course, but I feel like there were more practical stunts. Like, 
Crystal Skull feels like it's all CG. Like they just film everything in front of a green screen. Whereas this, I felt like they were actually in places and doing things. Not maybe all the time, but enough that I was like, okay, that's just how movies are made now anyway. You're not going to get a fully practical movie. Um, but uh, let's, uh, Matt, we'll start with you. How did you feel about Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones? Does he still bring it? I think his acting chops are still there. Um, he still has, he still has the, in, he still feels like Indiana Jones attitude wise, emotionally wise. Um, but he's no Tom Cruise. He's not out there. He's, he's not, he's not able to perform that level of physicality at Indiana Jones needs. Yeah. Let's face it. Nobody else yeah. at Tom Cruise. Well, yeah, he's, he's, <laughs> he's a freak of nature. Absolutely. Um, uh, and it did feel like this was, you know, he's a bit of a curmudgeon Harrison Ford is, and it comes through a little bit in the character. And I think that enhances the character. Cause I think it's a good attitude for the character who's seen that much to have to be a little jaded. Um, but it does sometimes feel like he's, he wants to look at the audience and saying, really, do I have to do this again? Can you just let, let, let me, leave me alone. I'm getting tired. I'm getting too old for this. <laughs> <laughs> and it really does feel like, yes. Okay. This is the last time he's going to be able to do Indiana Jones front and center. And I think we have to come to terms of, do we want Indiana Jones to continue with another character, with another actor, or do we want to let the franchise lie? Because I think, uh, other than maybe a, a cameo or introduction or something, I think I think Harrison Ford is done, and I think he, I think at his age, I think that would be for the best. Um, yeah, a lot of things about that. We'll get at the end. We'll talk about maybe the future of the franchise. Um, but because um, I've got some thoughts on that, as I'm sure you guys all do. Um, but um, yeah, I think. You're right. And I, it's a good point, too, because this is a character that Harrison Ford has played more than any of the other characters. I mean, he hasn't even played Han Solo as much as he played Indiana Jones, right? So he, I think there's more of him, Harrison Ford, in Indiana Jones than almost any other role he's ever played. Um, and certainly that is reflected. I mean, I don't think Harrison is as broken as Indy is in this movie. But yeah, some of that, you know, leave me alone that like doesn't like talking to the press doesn't like doing a lot of that stuff etc cetera, etc cetera. like a very private person comes across as indiana jones like uh in a lot of ways so there's a lot of similarities there um mike how do you feel about uh harrison ford in this role harrison ford plays it perfectly because he's an elderly man and he is playing a character who has been doing these adventures and seeing things and have living life to the fullest for God, since the mid thirties and as you know, an adult. And it was just interesting because this is 1969. And so this is, this is pretty amazing. This is going on almost like 35 years in that timeline and your body takes a beating. And every time you saw him try to jump, try to punch somebody, chase after someone, you could see the aches and pains that he was going through. And it was really a lot of fun to see that. And I agree what you said, more practical effects than in Crystal Skull. A lot more practical effects. 
the scenes like you know the chase scene driving through the the market in the middle eastern uh village and it was just real interesting to you know see that more than going through a jungle with you know cgi ants and stuff and i just i think this worked a lot better and i loved the scenes like in like going through the parade was just awesome on horseback and then cutting through you know it wasn't believable him you know taking the horse through the subway line and everything and it was but it was fun and i was grinning like a kid again ear to ear watching this and harrison ford played it perfectly he was a more mature indiana jones he stopped and he had to mourn for these people his his co-workers at the school when they got shot uh the uh guy who and antonio bandaras's character the ship captain you know and you know like his goddaughter was like come on let's go what are you, what's going on he says that was my friend you know you wouldn't have seen that in indiana jones back in the second or first or second movies at all but it's just and it just shows a maturity and you know i just thought it was a very interesting way to do it absolutely um the only other thing i want to add about harrison ford is i was really afraid that and i didn't even this didn't even occur to me until i was talking to uh my cousin bill who also really really loves this franchise and uh he point out of the idea that in order to get Harrison Ford back they were going to kill Indy um I mean we all kind of know behind the scenes or have heard behind the scenes that that's what happened with uh with Han Solo like the only reason that Harrison Ford would did Force Awakens is because if let me kill him off and then I don't have to worry about this anymore um uh, the Daniel Craig Bond franchise he only came back so he could die that kind of thing and I will say, going into this, even at, at even at, towards the end of the third act, I was like, oh, damn, they're going to kill him. They're going to kill him. That's going to suck. I am so glad they didn't. Mm -mm. Uh, I'm so glad they didn't. I don't know if Harrison Ford wanted that or not. But in any, in any case, I'm glad they didn't do that because that would have killed me. That would have crushed me, I think. Um, I, I don't like that idea at all. Um, so... But let's talk about some of the other characters. We don't have time to get into every single one of them. So, Mike, I'm going to start with you. you. Who's your favorite secondary character or one that you at least want to talk about that was in this? Oh, Helena Shaw has to be my favorite secondary character in it. You know? Now, were you familiar with Phoebe Waller-Bridge before this? Oh, yeah. Um, I watched um, the show, the other show that she had that was really, really pretty amazing. Fleabag? Yep. And, you know, and... I enjoyed it. It wasn't my favorite show in the world, but I respected her because she created it, she wrote it, and she started it. And I knew other projects she had worked on, and I thought her the addition of her as a younger, like goddaughter, was perfect, and it, she fit the role perfectly. And I like how she was morally gray. She wasn't good or bad. She was like, you know, and she became more towards the good as the story went on. And, you know, because, you know, she was realizing this is bigger than me. This is something we have to protect for society and everything. And I, you know, because there were times at the beginning 
you know, after she, you know, took the dial from Indy and it was like, oh, she's a scumbag. She's working with the bad guys or anything. But no, she was, you know, had her own intentions and everything. And I was curious to see what they were going to do with her. And I thought they handled that really, really well. Any other thoughts on Helena uh, by anybody else? She was, I, I mean, she, she was a excellent, um, you never knew what was going to happen or what she was going to do. So I, I really sort of appreciated that sort of, uh, grayness, uh, like Mike just said, um, I, I had no idea where she was going to end up or what was going to happen. And, and so I, I kept really paying attention to like, what is she doing in the background if she wasn't, you know, the, the main person in the scene or, or to, to see if I could get any clues as to where she was going. I, uh, I enjoyed it very much. I'm not sure how I still feel about, you know, her going back and forth in terms of like, she seems like she turns heel at one point and then she's not. And then it, it's sort of wishy-washy through the whole thing. Um, and, uh, but I did like the performance overall. Uh, I would give her character, like if we're talking about, you know, indie companions, particularly female ones, she's probably second to Marion in my, as, as far as the rest of the franchise goes for me. Uh, Matt, any more thoughts on her? Uh, just that, uh, making her kind of a gray morally, uh, I think fit her in this movie, but probably doesn't set her character up as a successor to Indiana Jones very well, if that's the intention. And I'm mm. sure we'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure about that either. Um, also, I'm glad, you know, I mean, it should go without saying, but I'm really glad. I mean, in, in there's a, a few decades ago, this would not have been the case. I'm glad she wasn't a love interest. Uh, I mean, whew, I mean, we've seen, unfortunately, Hollywood has a very bad record when it comes to like very old men, with very young women and I'm glad that this is not one of them. <laughs> so, so, all right, uh, Matt, another character that you liked in the movie. Uh, well, you always have to like Salah. Um, Oh God, it's I, so great to see him. It was awesome. But I, I do think it plays along with a little bit of the, we're getting too old for this theme <laughs> that I sense throughout <laughs> the movie where they, they introduce him. He, he happens to be living nearby uh, with his family uh, Indy helped get him out of Egypt. Um, and he, he, he goes, he takes Indiana Jones to the airport. He has his passport. He's ready to go. And when Indiana Jones says, no, you stay here. He's like, okay, give him hell. And, and that's it. I mean, his whole role in this movie is to drive, literally drive Indiana Jones to the airport. Can you think <laughs> of a better role for an elderly person? <laughs> <laughs> the well, at least he still has his license yeah, yeah exactly absolutely. Yeah. He's, absolutely. A, he's a cabbie so it you know fulfills that role <laughs> 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 to be honest with you i mean like look the only, the times that we've seen sala before mm -hmm. i don't know how much of a huge help he was overall <laughs> sometimes you know not to his fault but um yeah so i get it but yeah it's nice to see him again too i think yeah. Uh, any other thoughts on seeing Salah from anybody? I loved it. I just thought, you know, he was like almost like a good intermediary. Like Matt had said, it was great that he was the one that pushed Indy to go 
out of the country to go out of and do instead of him going to the police or something and, you know, letting the government handle it. I thought, you know, that it, it made sense. You know, it was his friend from number movie number one and movie number three to help <laughs> push true. him on to for number five. And then I loved at the end, you know, he, he it's like, oh, he isn't gone. He's still all there. And it was great. I thought it was really, really great. I, I do wish that he would have been able to go with them so that in the caves when they were trying to, like, figure out what the, the hurricane point was, just to hear John Reese davies sing in the cave. I, I feel like that would have been fantastic. Because um, he sang in every other movie. So, like, just a missed point there. Um, and I do love when... Um, uh, going back a little bit to like a good indie moment when he was climbing the cave and she's like, you're not moving. And he's like, give me a minute. I'm old. You know, like <laughs> I, I feel like there were some really good points where they, you know, they talked about, you know, his age and stuff, but I really enjoyed um, Mason. I think her name was the, the black agent um, mm -hmm. who was sort of undercover. Like, I was really shocked when they killed her. Like, I thought she was going to be recurring throughout the, um, and I just was like, I was gobsmacked, um, when they turned on, I, like, it makes sense now having time to, but in the moment, I did not see that coming at all. And I was really sad because she was doing, she kept being like, no, don't shoot that. Like, she was like the voice of reason and sort of, uh, you know, the like keeping them in check. And then I was like, oh, the bad guys are going to like really go overboard now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah they're going to get full on bad guy now. Right. And then they did. They did. Um, right. And, but Mads Mikkelsen was just fantastic. He was very focused. He was very driven. Once he realized that like where the dial was, he was like, I don't care about the president and I don't care about this thing. And I don't care if people know I'm a Nazi. Like he just, he started to like fall apart right away because this thing that he'd been looking for for so many years was now close. And, and they really showed his descent into madness like really well. And at the last minute when he's like, oh, maybe he's right. Maybe I did miscalculate. Maybe I was like not using my science brain and he panics. He was really like, you could see all that. And I thought that was just, it, it was, Really good bad guy. <laughs> yeah, was, I, I would put Mads up there. Volo is one of the the best bad guys they've had in the franchise. I, I agree with that, and it's interesting too because I wonder if they were basing his character like off of Von Braun, who helped develop the rockets for you know yeah I'm sure and everything to get yeah, people yeah. to the moon and everything. So it was just very very interesting to see that, and I like how you know they introduced him very briefly at the very beginning, and then mm -hmm. you know later. Yeah, I, I really uh, liked him a lot. And, uh, you know, I'm glad that, you know, he's all about, like, bringing the party back. Uh, <laughs> like, you know, he's he's still, you know, even though things have changed, he's still he's still a Nazi. And and he's and he wants to bring it all back. That's why he doesn't care who knows or whatever, because he's like, I'm going to change. I'm going to change history and we're going to win. Um, and but I, uh, I also liked how it wasn't about. I'm all for the Fuhrer and I'm going to bring back right. like he was like, no, I saw every mistake he made and I'm going to do it better because that is a level of arrogance <laughs> that only Nazis can have. Right. Like that. And he was just like, because a lot of what you see or a lot of what you maybe have read in, in history is how everybody just had this 
their rose-colored glasses for Hitler and how they thought he could do no wrong and, um, you know, how he was just the man and he was amazing. And this guy was like, no, no, okay, I like where he was going, but he did it all wrong and I'm just going to do it. But, like, you don't see a lot of that coming out of Nazi Germany. And so that that level of arrogant, like, made it, like, he was so compelling. I and, mean, and wrong, he, had, he super start, compelling. You can tell he sort of is having those thoughts in the beginning, in the first mm-hmm. act, too. Like, he's not he's not completely just stepping in line blindly. Uh, like so many of his other compatriots are. Um, yeah, very good. Very good. So yeah, Voller, definitely one of my favorite characters as well. And I agree. I thought that Mason was interesting, but ultimately you could have cut her out of the movie and it wouldn't have made any difference. Um, I thought it was kind of a shame, you know, I mean, she's so cool looking and she does seem to be a voice of reason, um, but they don't do much with her. And you know, since this is one of the very few people, characters of color that is in the franchise, I think that's that's a really disservice to on a whole bunch of levels. Uh, but it, with the point that she's in there, she's she's badass. And I don't blame Seanette Ray Wilson for that. She does a great job and oh, yeah. hire her people because she's cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and that was the other. It was not like the people of color that they used in the second movie, right? It was not right. for a, like it was right. for an appropriate reason. Like that's what they did. The CIA hired people to infiltrate, you know, the black Panthers. And that. so like, you could tell like her character belonged there and she did such a great job. And I was really, I was just upset that they didn't do more with her. Like you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, me, that took me my surprise as well. Um, all right, so we're running low on time. Um, is there anything else about this movie in particular that you want to speak about before we move on? Matt? Uh, just that, um, the, just that, shoot, I forgot what's going. Um, that I, the time travel element still is, it bugs me a little bit because it doesn't feel, it's always, it's always, you know, mystical or religious, and, and it usually doesn't delve into hard science fiction. I thought it was just an odd choice to actually physically send them in a time. I would have been more okay if they had somehow showed a portal where they saw other time or even somebody came through to their time. It just seemed odd to me that they traveled in time. It's just, I don't know, maybe it shouldn't bother me, but it just does for some reason. I'm not sure why. I thought it was pretty cool though, that, you know, because when they found the body, you know, the skeleton, it had the watch on it. I thought that was Indy. I thought they set that up that, you know, with Indy looking for his dad's watch or whatever, I thought, Oh man, that's going to be Indiana Jones in that coffin. Damn you guys. But it, it, I'm so glad it was. No. And I also love that the, um, basically the, the stand had the propellers on it and everything and it and it's like oh history this is how it happened instead of him actually coming from into the future getting the watch seeing airplanes and everything this is how it came about and i thought it was really smartly done with that part yeah the fact that it was one-way trip um that it was planned to get help uh to help out with syracuse i thought was interesting um uh and there are a lot of issues with this movie i'm not gonna lie but uh uh, Tony, is there anything else you want to say about the movie before we move into the future of the franchise? I I will say I I sort of like that tiny subplot with um, Rahim and how he was like madly in love um, with Helena 
and how he was supposed to kill her, but then he just wanted to save her. And like, he, there was that whole like, because I, I liked that it was not the woman who was being like, it was like a nice little difference. It was um, flipped. The script was yeah, flipped. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought they did it really well that he was just like, so in love with her and, and was not seeing any of the signs that she was using him or any of that. Um, and, and just the little, the little quips in there about like, oh, I just, you know, owe him some bail money and a lifetime of happiness. Like, like explaining how she broke off her engagement without going into that whole, like, I just really liked how they did that. And, and I thought that was a little fun, little subplot. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mike, any final thoughts on this one before we move on to the. No, it's for me, you know, the final thoughts are, it had a great supporting cast, you know, the bat, the henchmen for you know, were great. They were awesome, especially that giant one. I was just waiting for, you know, Indiana Jones doing one of those things, punching him and punching him in the face and him like barely moving or something like that. And he got taken out by the little kid of all things, which was just really interesting. And, you know, it, it was, it was really nice. I, this was a good popcorn movie and I'm not like crystal scroll, which I've only seen twice. I'm going to watch this one over and over again. That's how much I enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, yeah, I definitely am still like you, man. I'm still processing through a lot of it. So Mm -hmm. I think that uh, uh, this is definitely worth, I won't mind going back and watching this one. one. Um, The only other thing I want to say about it, and I can't uh, sign off until I do is uh, thank goodness that we finally, we get another score from John Williams. Uh, This is his last score, probably period. Um, But it sounded so good. The Indiana Jones theme is one of my favorite themes of all time. He weaves the Marion theme into this. He weaves some other themes from other Indiana Jones movies and from some of his other movies too in this. Um, I have full respect for John Williams more than anything else. And this is his last score. And I was more than happy. I knew there wasn't a after credit scene, post credit scene, but I was more than happy to just sit and watch the credits and listen to John Williams music for like six, 10 minutes, whatever it was at the, while the credits roll, because I I'm just not going to do that. That's not going to happen again. Mm -mm. So one thing that um, I felt like was missing, I will say this, was because it was more of a Disney um, Lucasfilms joint instead of a Paramount was first one was the traditional mountain yeah you know, at the beginning <laughs> we don't get the mountain because there's, yeah. there's Disney says nope uh we get the castle right exactly we get, we get the castle starts the movie it's like what that's it not okay um that is weird uh but it does check a lot of the other boxes um but yeah, we know that John Williams is not going to be back. We know that Harrison Ford's not going to be back. But we don't know. I mean, I find it hard to believe that Indiana Jones is is gone. That that there won't be other Indiana Jones adventures of some kind. Uh, Dorian, we'll start with you. What do you want to see? What do you think we'll see? Whatever happened a short round? <laughs> uh, I think that would be a great miniseries. Um, uh, that guy's or, hot now. That actor is hot now. You get oh him my, an Oscar. Like if if this was made today instead of like three years ago, he's in this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's um uh. There were definitely some characters throughout the series that I'd like to know more about, and so if they had like Indiana Jones esque adventures, or you know, had mentioned like 
he trained me and so I could do these things in other parts of the world. You know, we saw him, we saw Indiana Jones go to the desert. Um, but there are other sorts of climates, right? We, okay, we saw him go in the, um, in South America. Okay. Well, what about other places? Right. So, so I think that would be kind of cool. Um, but I'm definitely team short round. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's good. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he could have definitely filled the Sala role in fact, cause in, it doesn't, he, doesn't he drive the car in uh temple of doom? He starts off, yes. you see him oh, as yeah. a kind of a cab driver or whatever. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, that could have, not that I think his character should just be relegated to being mm -hmm. a cab driver, but um, I do think that, uh, and in some ways, that would have made more sense if he had driven him to the airport and he was the one that was like, I want to go with you. Because Indiana Jones telling Sala to stay back, that's one thing. But if he was telling Short Round to stay back, he'd be like, oh, I mean, he could help you because he's young, right? Like, or younger. Uh, but I feel Matt, like you... if, but the thing is, if he was in there, I would have felt like it would have taken away from his goddaughter's role. Oh, sure, sure. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He would have had to, yeah. It would have had that, like, we, we get in Doctor Who sometimes, you would have had that three companion problem. <laughs> Too many companions to be able to uh, treat them all well. Uh, Matt, what do you want to see from Indiana Jones? Do you want to see him back? Is, is, does Indiana Jones die with Harrison Ford, so to speak? Or is this uh, a franchise that can continue without him? Well, when money's involved, they'll find a way to make it continue. <laughs> um, and the movie Not Doing Well doesn't speak well for that. But... I mean, I was thinking, how do you, you know, I was just, I'm sitting here literally while we're talking, thinking about how does this franchise expand? How do you expand the world of Indiana Jones? How do you tell stories that are not about Indiana Jones and, and, and it introduce characters you can follow through on? And I thought of like an idea where the characters he's encountered in previous movies get together at Indiana Jones's funeral, but he's left one last unresolved adventure one mystery one thing he never completed and who steps up to complete this adventure who steps up and does the last indiana jones adventure and maybe that's a way they could pass it on to someone else i'm just i'm just just thinking off the top of my head but um yeah i i don't want to see someone else cast as indiana jones at least not for a generation you know and um um but you know it's he is i mean his the, the universe is indiana jones it's it's you know it's uh it's you have to describe it in ways beyond indiana jones and that's going to be the challenge yeah mike what about you what do you want to see uh, what is the destiny of indiana jones do you feel um i think basically i think they can continue the series but not with indy it could be something like with the goddaughter and maybe short round in an adventure or something like that would be pretty awesome i think the, i think that could be fun i don't want to see them recast indiana jones there had been talk for a while of casting chris pratt as indiana jones and i don't i, I don't want to see that i don't want to see the further adventures of indiana jones you know, as a younger man played by somebody else. I just, I just don't think, I don't think that's necessary. You know, come up with new characters and such. Uh, you know, if this is the last Indiana Jones, so be it. You know, it ended on a great note. It ended on a very high note for me. And I don't want to see that ruined because I don't want another even number movie. <laughs> Some, something that 
um, I just thought about what well, you were both um, saying what you'd like to see is, you know, you could, if Indiana Jones is real in that universe, somebody could have been inspired by him like he was as a kid, you know, with the guy with the hat or somebody saw him online, took one of his classes and, you know, hears and, and decided his own thing. And then when he hears Indiana Jones retired or he was just doing other stuff and the other, you know, you could do something like that as well, where it's another character maybe doing uh, similar things or, or different things. Maybe instead of, you know, religious and the occult, he focuses on something or she focuses on, on something different. So that would be cool having Indiana Jones as an inspiration, like somebody having all these like archaeology posters from archaeology conferences where maybe Indy was the keynote speaker or something. I don't know, something stupid or they worked at the museum. I, I don't know. I, I think that could be that could be a way to have it live on without it being Indiana. Yeah, I I uh... I, I I can see all of that actually, and I I you know anything that has the Indiana Jones logo on it, I'm I'm attracted to and I'm drawn to. I've watched the uh, I'm rewatching currently the Young Indy series on uh, Disney Plus, and uh, you know it's all very it's a variety of whether good bad whatever. I mean, there's a lot of different things about it, but certainly if they wanted to have a adventure, you know, Disney plus movie or something like that with short round talking about where he, since the actor's so hot now jump on that. Right. And that's his most famous part apart from, you know, the one he wins the Oscar for, but, but, um, and if you even, you know, I would hope that Harrison Ford would be okay with like doing a sort of digital cameo. If they did a flashback of him, an adventure with him and short round, you know, like that kind of thing. I will say that uh, a couple things. Um, when when Spielberg and Lucas first created this character with help of Philip Kaufman and uh, Lawrence Kasdan, when that created with the they created it with the guy with the character in mind of very similar to the serial movies of the uh, 30s, as well as uh, James Bond. They looked at him as a very much James Bond, and like James Bond, I do feel like the character is is strong enough that you could reinvent the franchise and reboot it completely with a different person. I do feel like as long as someone had the vision uh, to do that, I think it would be, it could be pretty incredible. Um, that's potential, right? I mean, if they're just doing it for the money, then obviously that's never a good thing. But if someone actually came and really cared and, and rebooted the whole franchise, uh, I wouldn't mind seeing that. And also during this movie, I thought that the de-aging CG was so good that I was like, you know what? I would just watch a movie with this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like I would just watch an hour and a half, two hour movie with de-aged Harrison Ford in an adventure. I, I thought it was well done. And, you know, I know it wasn't perfect. And I know I've heard from various people it didn't work for them because they just didn't feel like it worked. Um, but to me, it was, it was fine. I mean, yes, I knew it wasn't real, but within five years, that technology is going to be like, you can't even tell it's not the, a real actor. Right. Um, That's right. I mean, where are we striking keeps, about that? I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of AI taking over, but in this case, it's it's not really quite that. It's more like just uh, using a technology to keep some. And as long as Harrison Ford was okay with it, like definitely don't use his likeness without his permission. But as long as he's okay with it, I'm like, and maybe even participating, providing a voice. Yes, please make him younger. Like you can make the voice younger too. Um, but I 
I, I liked that. I thought that was pretty exciting. Um, so, uh, you know, we'll see. I, I just don't feel like, you know, uh, you know, I know that Spielberg and Lucas and Williams and Ford and everybody else is not, uh, on board for doing anymore. So we'll just have to see, you know, what happens, but I, I find it hard to believe that Disney bought this license and is not going to do anything with it ever again. It's just not, 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 doesn't make sense. So anyway, all right. So as far as this movie goes, I think all of us are giving in the thumbs up. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Thumbs up. Uh, take that reviewers from Ca- <laughs> <laughs> well, let us know once you've seen the whole movie fully awake. All right, man. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, and so we want to know what you guys think. So uh, please reach out to us. And in the meantime, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to be back to close out the show. Hi, this is Ashley Pauls with this week's Box Office Buzz, recording appropriately enough for summer blockbuster season from the parking lot of my local movie theater where I just got done watching Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. I am sad that I won't be able to join the crew this week for the chat about this movie due to some traveling But I thought that I would take my box office buzz this week to share real quick some of my thoughts about the movie. There's a lot to unpack in this movie, so we won't be able to get to all of it. I'll try to just hit on some of the highlights. Non-spoilery thoughts. This is a fun action movie set in a historical setting. If you're a fan of Indiana Jones, I think it's worth your time to go to the theater and experience this. Definitely has a spirit of adventure. Good to see Indiana Jones pick up the bullwhip and fedora again. Now, diving into slightly more spoilery thoughts... I really enjoyed the action set pieces in this movie. There are several really great ones. I liked the opening sequence that was set in the past. I thought the CGI de-aging of Harrison Ford was very good. And this kicked off the movie on a really action-packed note. I also enjoyed the action sequence set at the ticker tape parade. Thought this was something a little bit different than what I'd seen before. Really liked that. Um... It had some of the feelings of the classic Indiana Jones films with globe trotting, going to different locations, going under the sea. I liked that element. Again, something a little bit new. Um, In terms of some things that I'm still mulling over, I guess I kind of expected that maybe this movie might have some deeper themes and reflections just based on the fact that James Mangold was directing and he did such an incredible job with Logan. There's really not a lot of in-depth exploration of the ethics of time travel. And yes, this movie does delve with time travel. I expect that to be a little bit divisive amongst fans. And then also that you have this aging hero in Harrison Ford. A lot of times I feel like his age is... Jokes are made about it. And I kind of wish they'd taken the idea of like legacy and passing on your history, taking that a little more seriously. So yeah, I would say I definitely enjoyed it, but there are some things I think that are holding it back from being a truly amazing film. But 
still glad I went to see it in the theaters and um, we'll probably catch it again once it's on Disney Plus. And that's it for this week's box office buzz. We've still got a lot left to come this summer with the new Mission Impossible movie, of course, Barbie and Oppenheimer. So hopefully some good stuff still headed our way. Soul Forge Podcast. It's a geeky look at love, life, fandom, mental health, pop culture, and so much more. If you're into learning about yourself and the universe, Soul Forge is your podcast. Each week, we have a surprising new topic. From stupid things we do for love, to product reviews, and there's almost always a fun guest host. Like and subscribe to Soul Forge Podcast today. Welcome to A Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this geek girl is talking about my Venture Brothers rewatch. So I decided to rewatch the entire Venture Brothers series before the release of the movie ending the series on July 21st. I have not done a rewatch of this show, and minus a few watches of favorite episodes, I had not seen any of these episodes since they were first released and aired on TV. Rewatching this show, it's really made me remember just how wacky these characters are and how funny a lot of the jokes and gags still are to me. Many of the jokes may go over the heads of younger fans, since a lot of the lore of this show is deeply rooted in old genre cartoons and films and comics, but watching the first few seasons around 20 years later, yeah, that's right, the first season came out in 2003, the jokes are still funny, and they still hold up. The story arcs and development of each character is so spot on and so well thought out. And as a viewer, we watch these characters grow throughout the seven seasons that the show was on TV. Even with the long spans between seasons, since in 20 years we only got seven seasons. Which really doesn't seem like a lot, but holy cow, the storylines and depth of characters that we did get in that time is astounding. Seriously, I laugh a lot when Dr. Orpheus is on screen, and later on when they introduce the Red Death, I seriously am cracking up most of the time while he is on screen. He is such a good character, and I'm kind of sad we got him so late in the game for the series, because he's amazing. All the seasons of the Venture Brothers are currently on HBO Max. The Venture Brothers movie, Radiant is the Blood of the Baboon Heart, will be released digitally on July 21st. So far, I'm not sure if that means video on demand or straight to HBO, but we'll have to wait and see. Hopefully they'll give us some more information since that release date's pretty close. Thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. So that's going to wrap up another episode of the Air Station One podcast. I want to thank our guests for being here. Tony Ann, thank you so much. Since you're Indiana Jones newbie, you are awesome. Always happy to be here and be on a new adventure. Yeah. Welcome to the world of Dr. Jones. Yes. yes. Now she has to watch young Indiana Jones adventures. And- I, I heard. I heard that I, I had missed an entry um, because he, he uh, is in an episode. Harrison Ford um, is actually in an episode. Yeah. Yes, he is. Yeah. And then there's another actor playing Harrison Ford much older, too. Yes. And apparently there's a saxophone involved. Uh, yes. Uh, spoilers. So. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely anything you want to shout out about or promote. 
I think that anybody who is on the fence about watching this or The Flash, uh, if it's still wherever playing wherever you are, should go see both of them. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. No, definitely agree with that. Mr. Matt, anything you want to shout out about, sir? Um, just like to uh, say anyone who's interested in my opinions, not that you really should be, <laughs> uh, but mine or my wife, Elaine, we uh, created a Facebook page where we document what we watch. Sometimes we'll live comment on it. And um, it's called Elaine and Matt Watch Television. Awesome. Um, and just... You know, uh, search for it, like it, uh, and uh, comment if it's a show or, or movie you're interested in, and let us know what you think of it. We'd love to have more interaction with people and have hear what people think about it. Definitely, I have, I have to yeah. ask: Is uh, did uh, Elaine went with you to the movies, right? To the to see the Dial of Destiny. She did. Yes. Did she stay awake? Yes, she did. Yes, she did. She did better did she, than I did. <laughs> did she? Did she, she enjoy was, it? She was elbowing me, so I didn't have like long stretches of being asleep. <laughs> did, did she? Um, did she enjoy it? Yeah, her her thing is she likes it a lot better than, than uh, Crystal Skulls, uh, but it's oh. still not quite still not quite up to the level of the '80s films. But I think that's a general consensus of what I'm hearing out there. Yeah, I think so too. No, it totally makes sense. I had the wrong sweatman on. Yep, exactly. <laughs> had the other one on there. <laughs> and Mr. Mike, we've made it through another one, my friend. <laughs> I'm kidding, man. It's it's great to have you on the show. Um. Yeah, as always, it's my pleasure, man. This one was, uh, I didn't know how this was going to be, man. I really had misgivings. I thought this was not going to be a good movie at all. And I was very surprised, pleasantly so, that it was uh, decent. Cool. Anything you want to shout out about, sir? Uh, I do. Um, look, uh, there's been a lot of news about TCM, uh, Turner Classic Movies, and uh, out there lately, especially um, some stuff that might be, it might be going away or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't know. I don't control any of that, but I do know that one of my favorite things on TCM is Eddie Muller's uh, Noir Alley. And the host of that, no matter if he's going to be on the channel or not, but he has just written a book called Noir Bar, which is uh, cocktails inspired by the world of film noir. It's a TCM book, uh, but it's beautifully put together. It's uh, got, uh, it's basically a, a drink book of uh, mixtures. He's a, he's a mixologist as well. Um, he talks a little bit about uh, noir movies and maybe the best drinks for those, some of the uh, ones that exist, some of ones appear in the movies themselves, and some of the cocktails he's just created by himself. Like he just uh, has created four specifically because he was inspired by these movies. Um, but it's a great looking book. Look, I don't drink much at all uh, as far as uh, mixed drinks or alcohol or anything like that. I just can't do it uh, financially or health wise. So, um, but. Uh, uh, you know, I don't, don't mind looking and these, these, these pictures, the photography is just so gorgeous on these. I, I, I just want to try them, uh, and watch all these movies with Eddie. So, uh, it's a great book. I definitely recommend checking it out. It's called Eddie Muller's Noir Bar. Awesome. Awesome. That is very cool. Uh, one just real quick, do a quick shout out. Uh, definitely had a very interesting vacation Went up to visit some family that I haven't seen in quite some time. I uh, haven't been up to Maryland in, you know, probably five years or so. And it was just awesome to see some friends, see some relatives, and got to go to a baseball game up in Baltimore. And it's interesting to see, you know, how, you know, 
things change because when you grow up in a certain area, but you haven't been back there in quite a few years to see what's changed and everything. And it's like, it's neat to, you know, places you remember are gone or other places are still there and are as grand as you always remember it. And that's kind of the fun thing about it. And, you know, just take appreciation for what you got, folks. It's pretty awesome when you do get to do it and, you know, get to spend time with people you haven't seen or see friends you haven't seen in quite some time. And it just feels like yesterday since you, you know, seen everything, which is pretty cool. And you know what? It's really, really awesome to do. So, you know what? Just take a little, you know, look around and, you know, be thankful for what you have and everything. It's pretty cool. All right. That's going to wrap up the episode for tonight. As always, we love to thank you guys for joining us. Uh, it's always a great thing. And thanks for listening to the Earth Station One podcast. Always remember that we couldn't do this without you. If you wanted to support the podcast, please check out our Tea Public store and get some really cool ESO swag. Also remember, if you want to listen to the show before the rest of the world, please, why not join the ESO Network Patreon? For as little as a dollar a month, you could help support the Earth Station One podcast and the rest of the ESO Network. Check out the ESO Network Patreon at patreon.com slash ESO Network. While we're at it, we'd also like to thank some of our patrons for being and thank you. Let's thank Heather Stevenson, Tyra Burton, Elizabeth Liney, Kevin Roburn, Matt Sweatman. Hey, I know that guy. <laughs> Kevin Cafferty and Jen Adams. Thanks as always and everything to for all our patrons. And we like we always like to say, we couldn't do this without you folks. Remember also, we want to hear from you. Feedback at Earth Station One is the best way for to get in touch with us. Remember, you could also find Earth Station One wherever fine podcasts are found. And now Earth Station One could also be found in video format up on YouTube. Please subscribe and tell all your friends about us. And then, you know, as we always like to say, like and subscribe, like and subscribe. It's the best way to do it. And also, I know some folks do listen to us up on Stitcher Radio. And we just got noticed that as of August 29th, Stitcher is going away. So as you know, there's going to be definitely other places. We are on every other media player you could think of for us to be found. So definitely continue, please, listening and supporting your station one while you're at it. So it's pretty cool with that. On behalf of myself, Mike Faber, of course, Mr. Michael Gordon, Mr. Matt Sweatman, and Ms. Tony Ann Marini. Thank you so much. And she has a friend with her, which is really, really awesome. Who do we have with us, Tony Ann? This is Professor Zoom. Awesome. Hi, Professor Zoom. Hey, hi, Bubby. He's a, a little, there's fireworks outside. So I can understand that we're getting it he, here too. He needs a little extra love and attention. Uh, but all of my cats are named after superheroes. So he got to be named after a supervillain. Awesome. Hopefully he's a lot nicer than Professor Zoom. So. Uh, he is. Um, he thinks everybody is his best friend. Um, and he, the only way to catch him, because he is a little black dog, is with a flash. <gasps> Awesome. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you next time. Peace. And we are done. You've been listening to the Air Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Earth Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. 
Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our T Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.